Hi, Yoko. Hi, Kate. This is episode 15. 15. Oh, so where are you from? Yo. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Today on the podcast, oh we had June Kim, talented photographer, and... Uh, oh, a what? <laughs> I don't know. I just like, you know, I'm feeling like the future is female, and I'm going to use a fake female word for photographer <laughs> called photographer. Okay. <laughs> photographer goddess. I respect your decisions. <laughs> no, but June is a very talented photographer. So talented. Friend of... The podcast, friend of Kevin Huynh. Past guest of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just so cool. Very cool. Yeah. Really liked hearing about her work, and we talk a little bit about getting our moms on board with our pursuit of the arts, <laughs> and it's a great interview. Yeah. We look forward to talking to her. You'll listen to that soon. In a moment, but first. But first. Model. Minorities. Sorry, was I supposed to say minorities? <laughs> it's fine. I completed it for you. Asians doing cool shit. Here we go. Thanks. Yoko, do you want to go first? Yes. Um, my model minority is a man named David Yee, who wrote a Medium article recently. Um, the article is titled, As an Asian American, I am Invisible in This Country. Um, preach it. Preach it, for real. Also, so in light of this awful nightmare of an election there's a lot of vocalization happening around who is unsafe in a trump presidency Mm -hmm. and asians are never included in that yeah to to put it bluntly asian people are not included in that and there's like a lot of layers to why that might be the case, like, why they're not included in this, like, dialogue. There's, like, we don't have enough representation to begin with, so people don't even realize we're here. We are largely, we, there's a perception of Asian people to, like, not fight back when stuff like this sort of happens, Mm -hmm. when people, when Asian people experience violence. There's also another layer, an interesting one, in my opinion, where Asian people are considered white-passing a lot of the time, and not all Asian people are considered white-passing. Um, it's just, it's hard to have to reckon with this idea that, like, I I don't get a sense that, like, people are backing me up. And it's not like we are not experiencing racism and hatred ourselves. Right. But here's the thing, though, is that, like, if you are Asian, you need to tell people that you exist and that you experience just as much discrimination as other groups. So Sean King has been tweeting out, I mean, the first day that Trump was elected, he tweeted out all the hate crimes and all of the racial intolerance that happened in the 24 hours after Trump was elected. And guess what? It's not just black and Muslim folks who are experiencing racism. You know what I mean? Like, don't ever forget that. It's like, if you are any sort of ethnic minority, and this includes Asian people, you're going to experience some shit you never thought you had to deal with. And it's just like, we can't just be passive and let this kind of happen and let it be invisible and let it be tolerated when it's like actively happening to you. You Yeah. I mean, that's the other, that's so the other side of this coin is like, as an Asian American person, I like, I am feeling a bit like a larger sense of responsibility and being a voice that is, wanting to be heard not Mm -hmm. just like a person who will sort of like kind of stay in the background and stay out of it when it's really like not what you're supposed to be doing if you actually want anything to happen if you want to be supportive of not just other asian people but pretty much any marginalized group um so that's like the flip side of like this uh article this medium article that i read um I'm not sure if I agree with everything that's said in it, but I think it actually just does a good job of painting a picture of, like, what it's like being an Asian American in the light of the election, what sorts of responsibilities you might have as a person who wants to help in, like, having this country not fall into an entire shithole. Um, So I would recommend that you read it. Um, Thank you, David E., for writing it. Thank you, Tiffany Huang, for sharing it. Who's your model minority, Kate? 
my model minority is actually someone that I grew up with who posted something that encapsulated my feelings after the results of the election were official. And his name is Alex Ito. And Alex is a fine artist living here in New York City. And he and I grew up together. He was my brother's best friend growing up. So after the election results were published, Alex posted this something that he wrote on Facebook that I would like to read for you now. And said, This election proved the immense power of fear and how it is permeated through the majority of the American psyche. I woke up yesterday with a feeling that the worst would pass and wake up today within a crippling fear for all of those who've been directly affected by Trump's insane campaign. Many Americans were abandoned in this election, and I am beyond angry. It's hard not to think of the violence that my family and other Japanese Americans went through during World War II internment and the years following. Ostracized by their neighbors, hateful words turned into action as they were excluded from public facilities and eventually their homes. Many people are carrying that same fear today, and my heart is with every single one of you. My grandfather always wore an American flag pin on his hat when I was growing up. I once asked him why he always wore that pin, and he simply responded, because I am an American. These words stuck with me in my adult years, and I've questioned it by asking myself, what is an American? How could he and my grandparents feel part of a country that so easily cast them out? This morning, I'm now beginning to understand how they felt. To all the women, people of color, LGBTQ community, and Muslim community, this is your home. Fear will not cripple us, and it will not tear us down. It will not tear down all that we have achieved. It's a long road ahead. Trump's bringing hell, and so will we. And it's just sort of, like, encapsulated how I felt, where it's just, like, what you were saying before about Asians not being included in this in this conversation of discrimination and just not being recognized as people who have ever been cast out, that doesn't reign true for me because my grandparents constantly beat into me the fact that they were in internment camp and they were incarcerated by the United States. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like that fervor and that patriotism that comes along with being American, but at the same time recognizing that your country has still discriminated against you, that's how I feel right now. It's like, wow, a vast majority of the country doesn't support me, but that's not going to stop me. And that's not going to stop me from feeling patriotism. And like my biggest fuck you to all those people is to just keep on keeping on and just standing up for myself and being like, I have every right to be here. I have every right to be here as much as you do. And I'm still very patriotic and I believe in our country, despite the, (laughs) the evidence to the contrary that I shouldn't, you know what I mean? But I still believe in, I still believe in this nation. Anyways, thank you, Alex, for posting that because that was, that was exactly how I felt. And it was articulated in a way that was much more eloquent than I could have put it. So thank you. Thank you. Um, speaking of people who are doing great work, making fine art. Yes. Yeah. Um, Perfect segue yeah, into is, our interview. Is this too intense of a segue? Nah. Nah, okay. It's a sign of the times, man. Yeah. You just got to be real with how, how things are. Yeah. Shit's different. Shit's different. Um, Anyways. Speaking of people who make fine art and are doing a bomb job at it, uh, we're about to talk to June Kim. June Kim's great. She's amazing. Enjoy. Okay. Um, so, (laughs) today on the podcast, we have June Kim, who is an amazing photographer and just an all-around awesome person. Everyone's smiling at me right now. (laughs) Hi, June. Hi. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yay. Hey, June, we have a question for you. (laughs) So where are you from? (laughs) I feel like I should sing my answer. <laughs> um, I always say that I'm from Colorado because I was born there. Oh, hey. But basically the U.S. Um, so I was born in Colorado. 
I don't remember much of it except that there was a lot of snow and I have a picture in front of the Rockies. Mm-hmm. So that's it. And then I moved to Tennessee for a little bit. No way. Yeah. So Whoa. it's most most people don't know and what couldn't tell probably. But <laughs> um, I went to school there for like two years. It was one of three Asians other than my brother and someone else. So <laughs> and it like, like one big school building. That was one building Dang. and that was it, which is the only time I've had that in my entire life. So, wow. Yeah. So that, uh, Tennessee experience is very clear in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to California and like moved all around the Bay area. So I'm from Cupertino, I say, mm-hmm. which is like the city that you see on your iPhone when you get it for the first time <laughs> and all the weather and like time. Now is everyone knows it. where Cupertino is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So now everyone knows, but usually people are like, where Carpentino, excuse me. So, yeah, I'm from the Bay Area and have been there for a while. I met June through my boyfriend, Kevin, past guest Kevin Huynh. Mm-hmm. Um, and June is a photographer and a very good one, but I know that June and Kevin met through a like a college business group. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's what right. was that? So that was called the Berkeley Group. Um, and I was a business major in college so did not study photography. Um, <laughs> but when I came into college, I knew I wanted to do business. So I was looking around for clubs and there were certain consulting clubs. And I was like, I don't know what consulting is, but it sounds general enough and cool <laughs> enough to like be a part of. And then the Berkeley Group specifically does consulting for nonprofits. So uh-huh. it's like doing good, but also learning the business skills or whatever else they offer. So um, a lot of people told me to look into it and try to apply as a freshman. So I got in and I was like, this is cool, like nice club to be a part of. Um, And then that's where I met Kevin and a lot of people I like still keep in touch with from school. So yeah, that was, I guess, the beginning of my business interests and then <laughs> everything evolved from there like went way far from that so yeah. well, when did you start doing photography good question um I think I knew actually when I was a freshman that I wanted to do more of like design or like go to art school mm-hmm. um but I had never thought about it before I went to school it was just like for some reason, when I got into school, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to go to art school now. <laughs> oh, but, but I'm already here. Oh, yeah. Oh. And, and I'm applying to be a business major and, like, doing a media studies major. So um, when that all happened, it was kind of a crisis of, like, should I switch schools or just stick with it? So I decided to stick with it. Um, but photography was always a part of it, I guess. Um But I kind of, like, out of rebellion, I say, um, in my senior year, took an art class. And then it's basically the most basic class they offer at Berkeley for any kind of visual art. And it's called Intro to Visual Thinking. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, literally any kind of visual thing. Um, And it's taught by mainly the grad students, um, so MFAs. So you could get a painter, you could get, like, a sculptor or um, a writer even, or... um, or a photographer, and I had a photographer who brought in, like, film cameras. Cool. And that was 2012 when I graduated. So mm-hmm. that was, I think, maybe the last semester of my school years that I took that class. And then he brought in all those things and taught us about, like, art photography. And that was also when Instagram was blowing up. Yeah. So yeah. it was this, like, perfect mix of experimenting on Instagram and finding people who are contemporary photographers. And yeah. then also learning about like art and the history of it um in certain ways from someone who's really traditional yeah so it was really cool it was kind of like a perfect mix of launching me into exploring it more yeah um and I was like the only thing was that I wanted to do it earlier or I wish I had yeah how do you not like take in photos before that um, I had basically, I, all I remember is that I just had like Canon point and shoots all the time. Um, mm-hmm. but I feel like everyone did at yeah, that I mean, point. I did, like yeah. I mean, I feel a like little black one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That you like carried around when you had a party yeah. or like went to, you know, the beach or something like that. Yeah. Or this you will, bought I mean, disposable. This will be significant one day. And yeah. It's like exactly. a bunch of shitty photos. Right. Yeah. At least for me. It was. Yeah. And I actually don't know if I ever saved those or like, mm-hmm. you probably shared it on Facebook. Probably. <laughs> 
<laughs> when albums were a thing, like, yep. home, right? Yep. Yeah, and you captioned every single one. So oh I was definitely God. in that train of, like, I wanted to share my life in those <clears throat> photos, but um, I don't think I was taking photos that much in terms of, like, the art side of it or yeah. seeing it as an art until yeah. I started seeing, like, classic work and then also contemporary photographers who are big on Instagram already at the time. Wow. I was like, oh, what is this world? (laughs) I want to, like, explore it more. That's crazy, because, like, 2012 is not that long ago, and I feel like you're... (laughs) Blowing the fuck up. Yeah. (laughs) But also, I feel like if you look at... If I look at your work, I feel like it's, like, evolved a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, like, in style (laughs) and, like, maybe just, like, tone. I don't even know how to talk about photography right right and neither like, do I really <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah like we want to talk through a little bit of like how like what sorts of things you were doing like early and then like what sure. kinds of things you're doing now yeah I think when I first um I've had to like think about this a lot because I'm applying to programs oh um, right about like what's the genesis of me like doing a 180 kind of from my majors um I think it was like seeing the traditional side of it, like film photography, there's something very like romantic and I'm very like, oh, I put meaning to everything. So, <laughs> um, like the click of the shutter and then also like seeing it process and um, come out that way. So I think because I saw that process, I just wanted to learn more about it. And I remember I started experimenting more on Instagram, actually. So mm. that would really like launched me trying to find what my style was. And as we all know, like, bridge pictures do well on Instagram, and, like, foggy pictures do well on Instagram, and they're, like, the crowd pleasers, Mm -hmm. but I think I started by imitating that, Mm -hmm. so it always starts with kind of, like, imitation of classics or whatever works well, Mm -hmm. but um, I knew that I just wanted to, like, make work and see where it went, so, yeah, I guess the evolution of it, it started from like pretty photos and landscapes and trying to look at something and see it my way instead of maybe what the next person did. So, Mm -hmm. and I really like showing scale. So I would like have someone come into the photo and like show scale of a bridge next to a person or something like that. And that evolved into, oh, maybe I want to get in closer to the person themselves and not necessarily the crowd pleasing bridge or whatever. So um, I think just constantly experimenting, and a lot of it happened through Instagram. That's which so is cool. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> June's feed is really inspirational. I love like the ones that are like really far away. You're not exactly sure what you're looking at, but then you'll see like a little bit of feet or like maybe like the top mm. of someone's head or just like mm-hmm. a hint of a person. Yeah. It's like, where is she right now? Oh, <laughs> where is this beautiful geometric looking colorful place? Yeah, everything is so geometric and like designed yeah that's really great how do you find the locations like i for so so many of the places that you shoot are just like beautiful right some are like geometric and architectural but some of them are also just like natural and like human it's unbelievable that humans like live here Mm -hmm. seriously i mean like when i follow instagram photographers i'm just like do they just happen upon these beautiful places (laughs) organically are they scouting them tell us your secrets how do you do it i will tell you (laughs) (laughs) i think in the beginning when i was really gung-ho about like making stuff for instagram it was um i remember 2012 2013 is when like instameets were huge and then everyone would go to like Mount Davidson is some really nice, like, high point in San Francisco. It's actually the highest hill, I think, in San Francisco. Mm. Um, And when it's foggy, it's amazing. But when it's clear or sunset, it's also amazing. So you can't really take a bad photo, but people would, like, hang out there and just take photos Mm. or meet other people. But, But for me, I started noticing that I wanted to be really intentional about locations. Um... And maybe not do what everyone else was doing Mm -hmm. because it gets old after a while. And, you know, you can only do so many sunset shots that don't look the same. (laughs) (laughs) But they all look the same after a while, especially if I'm the one taking it, right? Because I have a way of doing it. Yeah. Um, And I think what actually made me look for new locations was trying to not make work for Instagram, but Mm -hmm. make work that is me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what I noticed was like, art photographers make bodies of work. 
They don't just do crowd pleasers. Yeah. Like, they don't release one photo at a time mm-hmm. um, as they're creating it just to get likes or, you know, yeah. to mm-hmm. populate a feed or um, appease, like, a group of people who are looking at it because that's just not how it was done in the past. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was like, what if I take that kind of mentality a little bit and um, try to come up with a concept or feel inspired by something and then go for a series of photos rather than just a one-off here and there. That's Um, so cool. Yeah, so I was like, it was kind of a mental shift, and I think it's because I admired so many photographers. Like, one that I love early on is Sally Mann, and she does, like, black and white photos only, pretty much, Mm -hmm. on a very antiquated film camera. But for her, it's, like, photos of her family, and then she's really interested in, like, death. So she'll... um, do photos of like dead bodies which is really strange but so interesting because mm-hmm. she's like gone to these places called body farms where people mm-hmm. are there are just like kind of scientific places for bodies to deteriorate naturally and mm-hmm. people study it but she was allowed access to go and like photograph, photograph them Whoa. Yeah. and there's this she has a memoir that I like love reading over and over again but there's a series of photos she did. I don't know if she put them out in the final series, but in the behind the scenes, basically she took a photo when it was first laid down and had like maggots on it, (gasps) which is really gross. But then she took a long exposure and it looks like water kind of like flowing. Yeah. Like flowing through the bones and like through the skin and stuff. And it's like something so gross turns so beautiful. And then she shoots it like when it's completely just dust on the ground so it's like all these things yeah and it's like it's so interesting to see someone investigate one subject Mm -hmm. and take their time with it yeah and I think if I learned art photography before that seems obvious but for me it was like this whole new world outside Mm -hmm. of like Instagram photography where it's like instant gratification like post your best thing and then recreate it and do it again for the next time Mm -hmm. so yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was like, I want to try that out and see what happens. So um, to get to the question, <laughs> I basically just like walk around a city or drive around and like, usually I'll find places that are inspirational to me or like eye catching or I'll like find it on Instagram or hey. the internet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll watch like a fashion film and find, found a place that a friend and I shot a series in Spain, mm-hmm. um, which I had told it's you guys It's so about pretty. <laughs> I thought it was like out of that campaign with Leah Sedu or Sedo from yes. uh, Louis Vuitton. I was yeah. like, Oh my God, did June shoot that Louis Vuitton campaign? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> in maybe a decade. <laughs> but um, yeah, so some, I guess I find the inspiration through many means, but Mm -hmm. it's usually because it speaks to me for some reason. Um, So I found a place, I've shot a series in LA and it's called Pershing Square. It's in downtown Mm -hmm. LA. Later on, I found out it's, it's known as one of the ugliest parks in LA. Yeah, it's really not. Yeah, which I had no idea because I thought it was so amazing. (laughs) Because I just drove by one day and saw it out of the corner of my eye and I was like, I'm going to pin it on Google Maps and see what it was. And then my friend and I came back and decided to shoot something in LA and we were thinking about locations and I remembered that spot. So just looked it up. It looked pretty awesome. Went to scout it and then shot it and it's been one of my favorite series so far. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's really unintentional like that, um, yeah. like out of the corner of my eye. And other times I see it and I need to go there. Mm-hmm. So I'll try to figure out how to go there. <laughs> <laughs> and do then you, it works out. <laughs> do you ever see people watching you shoot? Shoot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm very hyper aware of my surroundings. <laughs> so I naturally do. Are but you, uh... it happens. Are you cognizant of the uh, fact that you're a young Asian woman with a camera just kind of going to these, like, obscure places? Does that ever, like, play into, like, why you might feel self-conscious? Yeah, I mean, definitely when I'm in a foreign country, that really stands out. So Mm. as I was mentioning earlier, um, shooting in Spain. And my friend Michelle Cho, she's amazing. She's in film school right now, um, but we're, like, creative collaborators, so... She and I used to be roommates, and then we met up in Spain um, and had our friend, who's also Asian. And we, 
often shoot people who are like us, like in investigating like identity ourselves. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people ask if it's a self-portrait, which it never is. Like we never shoot ourselves, Mm -hmm. but it happens to be an Asian girl or in in that series it was. So you can't tell the difference. Yeah, you can't really (laughs) tell the difference because we never really shoot the The face. face, Yeah. Um, And as intentional as that seems, sometimes we don't know we're not shooting the face. We just end up, you know, something, there's something more universal, I think, about not seeing someone's face sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting when people ask if it's a self-portrait because it never is, but (laughs) it kind of is in its own way. But um, yeah, when the three of us who are all three petite Asian girls walk into a Spain uh, apartment complex, that's beautiful, (laughs) but... We stand out like sore thumbs. So um, there was a maintenance guy there, actually, who um, told us we had to leave. And then we just Bummer. heard about it in, like, in Spanish. So we mm-hmm. tried to explain to him, like, we're just here. We're innocent people just, like, trying to take photos. And then he also explained that a film crew was there with a legit permit, oh. which we should have gotten. But <laughs> and you were we, like, oh. we were just gunning it because we were there for two days and didn't know if we could you know, pull off a permit in time anyway. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of asked him for 15 minutes and then he let us go. Oh so we God. kind of ran around and like did as many photos as we could without bothering anyone else and yeah. then bounced. But we definitely stick out sometimes. And other times like in LA, I never noticed it really. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people in Pershing Square, but yeah. they're kind of all doing their own thing. So I feel like downtown LA is very different from... <laughs> Spain (laughs) from a from a private place in Spain like apartment complex in Spain so it was very different experiences but always aware of surroundings a little bit yeah yeah can I ask you um how did your parents react to you going to school to study business and now you doing a complete 180 and becoming a photographer this is a a good question because I always think about it and even (laughs) even now I'm thinking about it a lot but um yeah, in the beginning, I think they really just didn't know what it was. Um, I don't know if you guys felt that way doing design. Definitely. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Sort my, of? Yeah, I feel like my parents... My parents were pretty, like, liberal and accepting of, like, what I wanted to do, but they were just, like... I prob- They probably didn't know what design what it was. was. Yeah. 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 Um, I went to this this uh, tour of Mother Jones magazine and this the art director put it best. He was just like, oh, your parents must be so proud of you studying graphic design. It's like art with a suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah but... Art with a problem-solving aspect or something yeah. like that. A little bit, but at the time it was mostly just like my parents were very concerned that I was spending hours and hours on the computer doing Photoshop tutorials. <laughs> yes, my yeah. parents were so worried that I was on my computer all the time. And like anyway. your eyes would get bad, but yeah. also what are you doing? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so I think... In a similar vein, when I was expressing that I was interested in photography, I would always cloak it in, like, a business term. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, I'm into branding. Or, like, I worked at an ad agency and where I was an account manager or assistant account manager, but I told them, like, I think I want to be on the creative side, but it's still an agency. Yeah, there's business and money. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's still working towards something very practical, so... Um, I think I always cloaked it that way for mm-hmm. a long time. Um, but after a while, I was just frank. I was like, I want to do art. And um, when and trying to explain that that wasn't just being a starving artist and like making work without making any money. But I think that's why I also built up a client base and was yeah. showing like I can be self-sustaining with it and um, have a business around photography. Um, yeah. And that's why I always say I do client work, but also personal work, because mm-hmm. um, both are a part of the practice for me currently. Gotcha. Yeah. And um, what generation are your parents? Uh, they immigrated here in 87. Gotcha. So, yeah, I, they went to college and everything and then moved straight after because my dad was doing like PhD and all that, mm-hmm. which is why I moved around. Yeah. Nice. Gotcha. So, that, that generation, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you... Um... Oh, shit. I don't know. <laughs> there, I just think there's such an interesting... Because you started with, like, a commercial background mm-hmm. and, like, 
the way you learned how to maybe become self-sustaining um, and then it wasn't until afterward that like this need to make art like kind of like overtook you basically right, but right. it's like it's it, it seems like such a great track because you like have a really practical mind and you're like I know that I do need to like make money mm -hmm. but there's like this like your balance of commercial and like personal or what is it client and personal, personal. work mm -hmm. um, is just like such a great balance right do you find it to be a good balance or is it like hard yeah sometimes I've definitely thought about this a lot too lately because as I'm applying to fine art programs yeah right now the the shift from commercial to art feels very backwards for me and not that it's the wrong way but I feel like I'm learning a lot of things um in reverse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's really interesting and strange. Yeah. But. I feel like that's how people are going to discover photography nowadays because we don't have right. access to like older style cameras and analog photography. Mm -hmm. It just is not mm. sold as it was before. Yeah. Do you yeah. do a lot more analog or a lot more digital? Um, I'm pretty much all digital mm -hmm. now uh, just because of practical reasons. Oh, like, totally. Yeah. Film is very expensive. It's very beautiful, mm -hmm. but hard to you know, process and keep making a lot of work with. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, the past year has been all about, I need to make a ton of work. And we all know, like, just make a ton of work and you'll find what you're good at and build yeah. up your style, right? So, yeah, I think it's uh, all digital at this point. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but actually right now I've learned that I travel with a digital camera, or a analog camera, so a small like portable point and shoot but film camera yeah. because I hate carrying around a DSLR when I'm traveling yeah like huge and bulky yeah yeah so I think iPhone is one way to do it and then I have my small film camera and then when I know I'm working or want to make work that could potentially be like in a portfolio or part of a series then I bust out like the big guns and you know, carry it around with me and travel around <laughs> with it. Um, you spoke earlier about, like, people you collaborate with, and they're mm -hmm. also um, Asian women like you. Right. What does, like, your network look like? Are they all... Do you seek those people out? Do you just tend to find people? each other? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, um, well, my friend Michelle has been, like, a constant figure with me just because we met in college, and she also did um, kind of a sociology, like, psych you know, marketing blend of a major. And we both met and knew that we wanted to be in the arts, but had just not chosen that path for undergrad. So mm -hmm. I think because we clicked that way, we've shared a lot of experiences, like getting our moms on board. Oh, right. <laughs> and now they are on board, which is awesome. And she's at film school, so she's like going at it and doing doing that, you know, full time. And then same for me, it's like doing a freelance practice. But I think otherwise I do seek out people who kind of get it and mm -hmm. that can mean so many different things, but I think it's like either people who have been on the same path or um, they're also building up an art practice of their own. But I often find that like it's easy to connect with Asian women or, or males too, but mm -hmm. um, who have gone through college and are juggling kind of also a commercial practice mm -hmm. with a personal like side project or personal work that they want to make and, you know, um, put out into the world. So I think, and, and they usually have the same issues of like, I had to convince my parents yeah. or, you know, make sure everyone was on board with me. We yeah. should teach a class called Onboarding Your Mom. Yeah. <laughs> Mom boarding. Mom boarding. <laughs> TM. Yeah, seriously. No one steal that. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that would be a bestseller. <laughs> For sure. How to tell your Asian parents you want to study art. <laughs> I think that's a real thing. Yeah. Right? I found that it's very common among people in our generation. Yeah, I, especially. Because it's so unique to us. Yeah. Um, and it's something that's hard, but very easy to explain mm -hmm. or, like, talk about with other people who have been through the same thing. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> I hear you, girl. Yeah. I was right there with you. Yeah. We're turning this podcast into mom boarding. Yeah. <laughs> Starting now. Starting now. We're pivoting. Yeah. Um, um, 
Cool. Yeah. Dang. Dang, this is so good, Jeff. <laughs> well, I feel like since we're talking about moms and being Asian and oh, stuff. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Seems like a good time to segue into how, how Asian, Asian are, are you? <laughs> wow, that looks uh, that was great. Should we bring in Yes, let's uh let's bring in our special guest. Hey we... special guest. Is he asleep? You wanna do some how Asian are you questions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So for this this edition of How Asian Are You, we have decided to bring back former guest of the podcast. First guest of the First podcast. First guest of the podcast. Back by popular demand. Top. <laughs> yes. OG guest Kevin Quinn. Kevin Quinn, hello, what's hello, good? Hello, hello. Greetings. <laughs> Greetings, Earthlings. Yeah. Um, all right. Everyone so on the receiving I'm end. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I guarantee you everyone on the receiving end of this podcast is like, oh, yes, that guy with the smooth voice is back. <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> need so yeah. much fan mail. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Ooh, had a go wait, again. this one. Really nice to you. Yeah, I think I blabbed a lot, but you can edit <laughs> it. This one? So our first question is, has anyone ever told you that you have Asian handwriting? Kevin just made a face, like a really weird face. Nah. <laughs> no? Nah. Hmm. Was really? Oh man, maybe this is just a SoCal thing. But... I don't think I've ever been told that. I've been told that I have nice handwriting. Mm. Same, yeah. yeah. But we all have nice handwriting. Is that what's going on? <laughs> Obviously. Well, guys. Well, no, it's just um Asian handwriting in the way that I've understood it is like your A's are very cute and like it's just very geometric. It could be a font and wow. um, you're always the one that's like asked to make a poster or asked to like write all the items on a menu because you like, you know, have your day job at a boba place. Like that's Asian handwriting. Who, who wow. says that someone has Asian handwriting? Are we saying like an Asian person? Says, oh, your handwriting. No, is... because your handwriting just looks like everybody else who lives around you, and it's just this very cute, deliberate way of writing. Hmm. White people wow. will be like, oh my god, all Asians have this super cutesy handwriting. My roommate has it. Leah totally has Asian handwriting. Yeah, That's so fascinating. I I feel like the neat and cute and adorable is like definitely a thing, but I don't mm. think anyone has ever been like, that's Asian handwriting. Well, it's just like a lot more. Like, it's not, like, bubbly and circly. It's, like, the perfect amount of, like, geometric. I'll, like, print out a few examples. <laughs> I need to see these. Yeah. Jody has Asian handwriting. Kyle has Asian handwriting. Whoa. Leah has Asian handwriting. Like, yeah. It's, might like... a SoCal thing. I only write it in might capital be a... letters, so I don't know what you're talking oh, about. So does my dad. No. My dad yeah. also only writes in capital letters. But I think it's because he... Your dad. (laughs) Sometimes I find myself doing that because I just write so infrequently. And usually when I write things down, I want to remember them. So it's like I'm yelling at myself. (laughs) Emphasis. Monday to do. (laughs) This is important. Exactly. What's really interesting, though, is when you said Asian handwriting, I think of... I think Koreans know this, but our parents all have the same handwriting. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because they all learn it the same in a way. very same way. specific way mm-hmm. in Korea. Mm-hmm. So before they came and immigrated, they all like put the hat on their J's or, you know, their A's are very like nice and have a curl at the end or whatever, yep. but the R's are always looks like these mm-hmm. and oh. things like that. So when you said Asian handwriting, I was like, my parents definitely have it. Yeah, a lot of Japanese people have the same handwriting. Yeah, like too. Japanese native right. people. Yeah, right. they when they come here and they write in like any Roman, yeah, anything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Roman alphabet. It's yes. just like it looks very similar. Japanese. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I would I would say to me Asian handwriting is more like that. Yeah. So imagine that, but like. A suburban version of that. <laughs> and it's it's just an entire population of people all has the same handwriting. Interesting. Wow. And it's like you would... Is it because y'all went to Kumon? No. They didn't like beat it into us. I think it's just like you would see someone with cute handwriting and you're like, oh, I want to write just like them. Or it's like, I want to be sought out to like, you know, make the sign at the big thing. Mm. In yeah. my... When wow. I was... When I was in high school, the the person I knew who had the neatest handwriting was not Asian, mm. but it was really small and really cute. Shout out to Rachel. Sorry, Rachel. <laughs> damn, damn. Yeah. 
Okay, wait. I got another one since nobody else except for me knew about Asian handwriting. (laughs) 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 Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Um, What was the worst time your mom burned you? Ooh, mom burns. Mom burns. This can get real emotional real fast. (laughs) I mean, most of my, most of the burns from my mom are just like real casual, just like drive by, like wham. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to think of a good one. Like, oh, like here's a really like typical example. One time I took a photo of me and my mom. We were wearing like similar clothes. Like we were both wearing gray and like wearing like a slightly pink scarf. So I was like, oh, let's take a photo in front of of this mirror. And then I I took a photo with my phone and my mom immediately says like, what are you doing with your face? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But that's like a really normal thing that like my mom says. And I don't even take offense to it yeah. but like I just think it's such a funny thing for a mother to say <laughs> yo okay I got handed yeah. seriously I have something similar to that so my mom was looking at a photo of me smiling and she was like did you get oral surgery or something <laughs> and I was like no why and she goes well one side of your face is like significantly bigger than the other <laughs> mom <laughs> mom burn. <laughs> Uh, oh man! Uh, you just gotta laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all I ever do. When I was a child, <laughs> when I was in high school, my mother told me, she said, "Kevin, you're not especially good looking, but you're also not ugly. You're fine." <laughs> what that means is you need to be extremely nice and caring <laughs> and all of these other things in order to I don't know succeed. No one's just gonna like you for your looks. <laughs> Honestly I feel like most parents should teach their kids that that I'm not the only that. person that's yeah. uh, my friend Brian said this is ex- his parents said the exact same thing. <laughs> And we turn out just fine, I think. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Why y'all laughing? That's just so. That's so mean. (laughs) I don't think it's mean at all. I think it's. I think it's it's pretty good parenting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I would rather my kids be nice than good looking. I I want them to be. I want them to be fine. Why can't we have both? (laughs) That was a pregnant (laughs) pause. We're all waiting for Kevin's response. <laughs> I mean, on, I on the... she really be- believe? I don't know. Maybe she was... <laughs> Whatever. I love you, Mom. It's parenting. I'm going to say parenting. that to my yeah. kids. It's parenting. You fine looking. Yeah. <laughs> you look all right. fine. Like, fine. Like, <laughs> you're not that fine. fine. You're fine. Just, you're, fine. fine. <laughs> you're fine. So be other things. <laughs> yeah. So be kind, okay? <laughs> I think similarly, now that we're talking about looks, my mama said something similar, but I think it's parenting, but maybe it's a mom burn, where it's like, you're not going to make money off of your looks or your body, so you should be very smart or have a lot of skills. And when I say it out of context, maybe it feels very mom burny, but I took it to mean like good yeah. things, you know, like yeah. very yeah. I think that's also parental advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thing. But maybe worded strangely. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not gonna make money off your body. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I wasn't what planning. Are you, on what do you imply <laughs> about people who do? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Mom well, burns. Mom burns. <laughs> now that we've all opened up childhood wounds, <laughs> all whole hands. Oh, I you, got one. You got him. I got, got some. Here we go. Kate's got the cues. Can you do the Asian squat? Ooh. Heels on the ground. Heels on. How low do you have to be? Like butt almost. Like touching butt the almost ground. touching the ground. Like you're like inches off. Like, like you can smoke a cigarette comfortably <laughs> in that position. <laughs> Even though you don't smoke. <laughs> I, I don't think I get. I think the test is like, can you like squat and like eat a meal yeah yeah can you eat a meal can you like stay there forever Mm. no (laughs) (laughs) i can get down there 
my ankle flexibility is fine, but I it's not like a it's not what? like a comfortable. Kevin's trying. Demo. Let's demo. see a demo. Uh, people like hang out them. Yeah. <laughs> they they do full on like house chores like yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. No, I w- I can't eat a meal down there. <laughs> have have any of us tried? Yeah, myself. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Next time, next week. <laughs> Stay tuned. From now on, also, where are you from? Interviews. We'll even do the Asian squad position. We will live stream it. Oh my god! Exactly. I mean, it's like the kimchi squat is what Korean people call it. Oh really? Oh, it's yeah. Kimchi squat. Yeah, yeah. So when you're squatting, like butt inches away from the floor, heels you're on like the ground, eating. Yeah, or eating, or I think it's because I've seen a lot of Korean ladies do it, like old ladies who make kimchi in that position because oh, it's like you wash all the it. cabbage but in the old days it's like you do it at a faucet outside the house and then you on like the ground it. right and then yeah. the faucet's probably like low to the ground very low to the yeah. ground so mm-hmm. you don't sit on something you just squat because genetically it's possible or something <laughs> like that. yeah yeah so we call it the kimchi squat hey yeah yeah can you do it I can do it. I have not tried eating a meal. In that <laughs> <laughs> I I. I've developed the test. I'm <laughs> not sure if I will begin to try, but whenever maybe. I'm tired, like waiting for the train, and I'm like, I don't feel like standing, and I don't feel like sitting in those gross seats on the platform. I agent squat, and it feels like such a relief. And then I realize that everyone around me thinks I'm like trying to take a shit. <laughs> I'm like, do I care? How tired am I? <laughs> That's like the thing about the Asian squat is that like you look like you're pooping. You totally you do. Isn't that the natural poop stance though? Like that's how humans were designed to poop in the wild. Yeah, probably. Well, Japanese like classic Japanese, not classic, but like traditional, traditional Japanese toilets, toilets are, are like a hole. Yeah. Yeah, and there's that like other thing that you for the toilet. There's that attachment where you can like it puts your feet up. So as if you're like you're squatting. Oh, the you're, squatty potty. The squatty potty. What? Oh, this, is, this is not an Asian thing. This is like a. I've, I've moved the conversation. In this <laughs> oh yeah, is this like I an ergonomic fi- toilet. <laughs> no, it's a it's a a separate accessory you could have for. It's your like toilet. a footstool. It's a footstool that you like are on your toilet and then you put your feet on it. So your knees go higher. Oh, yeah. So your knees go higher than your butt. Yeah. 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 And it's that's supposed to, to like... loosen things up. <laughs> They have a very convincing video. Yeah. They have a video. Well, they, they use a unicorn pooping ice cream. is a, Like, rainbow ice cream is, like, what they use to... Yeah. Salt. Demonstrate. <laughs> Demonstrate. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the Not position. Yeah. Thanks to our sponsor. Thank you, Thank you to our sponsor. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by... Body. Find it on Amazon.com. <laughs> No, I I can't do the Asian squat. I can do it better now, but nah, dog. Like if I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just remembering. There's a we took a we did a photo shoot with our friend Becca. Shout out to Becca. Thanks, Becca. And we, I remember before we did this shoot, Kate was like, "We should do a shot of a squatting and then call it squat goals." And I'm like, "That's fucking genius. Let's do it." And then we did it along this like stairwell, mm-hmm. and then I noticed the kid was sitting on the steps. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I can't, I can't support my own weight in the squat position. I'm not even pulling the veil on this right now. Fully, that's I'm not squatting. Wait, is this image this on is the, the internet? This is it, is. Sway, it is. It this is. It is. Sway flag. It's on our Instagram. It's on the Instagram. Oh, oh, at Sway Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> at Sway Podcast. Shut it up. Ah, uh, movie magic. <laughs> Basically. Amazing. Do you think it's something you can train yourself to do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can, yeah. Yeah. You just have to, like, strengthen your muscles. Because, Every day. Every day. Because I'm going to tell you, like, I, I can do it. I just can't hold it for a long mm. time. Like, it's just, it's not comfortable. But, like, before, when I used to be a lot heavier, I could not do it. Like, I could not, mm. like, even get down there. So it's just, like. I wonder where the strength is. It's a, I think it's is in it, your quads and your ass. Quads? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and your butt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I don't know. Babies just like bend over and do it all the time too. Yeah. With their baby strength. Baby, baby strength. strength. They make mm-hmm. it look so easy. Babies are scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrified the of kids. End. The <laughs> end. And that is the end of our podcast. <laughs> oh my God. Good night, everyone. <laughs>
Um, June, where can people find you on the internet? Ooh, um, my Instagram is at JuneBugKim. JBK. Uh, JBK. JBK. I have been named JBK by Kevin. <laughs> um, can but. you uh, spell JuneBugKim just sure. for posterity? J-U-N-E-B-U-G-K-I-M. Do you have a website where you can where you have work or stuff that we can see? Yeah. Um, so I tried to get creative and now it's JuneK.IM. Damn girl. Hey. I hear there's a dot Kim now, but I <gasps> mine is gone already. Uh, damn it. June is too too common. I will but, sell it to you for yeah. five thousand. <laughs> if, if you're listening, <laughs> I want it. Make me an offer. <laughs> I want it. I really do actually, but Alas, you get dot Kim. True, but I'm trying to step away from it a little bit. But I'm Junebug Kim. <laughs> I'm not helping. Yeah, so I'm Junebug Kim, like literally everywhere on the internet at this point. Um, so Twitter brand is strong. Yeah, yeah, it's stuck. It's really stuck. So yeah. here we are. Yeah. Uh, what about you, guest Kevin Huynh? You can find me on my website at kiwimonk.com. K I W I M O N K dot com. <laughs> That's it. We were all waiting. <laughs> <laughs> dot com. Dot biz. Dot com. Dot biz. <laughs> Not all those things. Not all those things. <laughs> dot au. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay! Thank you so much Thank for coming, coming on the podcast. podcast. Thanks, Jude. Yay! Yay! Hey, wait, before you go. (laughs) (laughs) We have an announcement. We are taking a winter holiday break. Yep. Um, We are going to be back in mid-January. Yeah. But in the meantime, like, enjoy the holidays with your family. Yeah. Tell us about your traditions. Yeah. Email us. S-W-A-Y-F-podcast at gmail.com. Yep. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, please. And also, I'd love to hear some, like... New Year's resolutions. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, dog. (laughs) Oh, fuck. What a great idea. (laughs) Yeah, tell us. What what are you thinking about changing next year? Yeah. Let's let's all try to be better. Yeah, let's all try to be better. Some people should be more. Or some people should try harder at being better than some other people. But we should all try hard. Yeah, self-improvement and self-love. Yes, indeed. Um, Kate, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet at C-M-Y-K-A-Y-T-O-E at C-M-Y-K-T-O. Yogo, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, we do this in opposite order again. Whatever. Uh, it doesn't whatever. matter. It's P-S-Y-O-K-O. And the podcast is S-W-A-Y-F podcast on Twitter and Instagram and SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Yay. Hey. And our website is swayfpodcast.com. Hit us up. Yeah. And in the meantime, you know, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Yeah. Bye.